following program may contain traces of irony, sarcasm, satire, parody, mockery, banter, caricature, and nuts. The opinions expressed are almost certainly not shared by self-appointed officious dictatorial wowsers. If you are dangerously irony deficient or allergic to mockery of the self-important and corrupt, then get a life. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining Environmental. As anything, again this week, to uh, to stand up for all life here on Mother Earth. And I'm Sean O'Shaughnessy and very uh, glad to be here with you for another uh, episode of all the news, interviews and analysis that we can fit in. I'm also very uh, pleased and uh, grateful to be here on the land of the Bundjalung Nation in the, on, with the, uh, in the people of the Widgeable Wyable uh, lands here around Lismore, where, which uh, are uh, stolen lands which have never been ceded. And so I pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and uh, uh, apologise for the appalling mess that has been made and continues to be made in the name of capitalism. So uh, thank you for joining me today and uh, here in a land of misrule governed by the the clownish antics of the Lismore City Council uh, with, you know, four... Uh, councillors on that uh, that august body actually standing up for the interests and needs of the people of Lismore and uh, another six who are clockwork independents, uh, stooges for the gnats, uh, running on lies and hypocrisy and uh, betraying the trust and the needs of our community uh, just uh, top of mind this week after a uh, another appalling display of, uh, of disgrace behaviour by those uh, clockwork independents uh, there, the uh, the so-called independents who are actually, you know, national party fronts, but uh, the, the, in, the, uh, in the council chamber this week. So I'll be welcoming uh, one of our actual uh, representatives there in the council chambers, uh, which is, of course, Adam Guise, and uh, he's, he'll be giving us a bit of a rundown on uh, some of the big issues which were confronted and which were defeated the the, the for which action uh, was uh, defeated by the uh, the 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 clockwork independent uh, block so um we'll be talking to adam and i'll also be talking to cash who is a a new resident of lismore someone who's moved into lismore since the floods and uh, is being forced into homelessness by the, uh, or, or is being threatened with homelessness by the uh, the uh, the NRRC and its uh, its its gross uh, behaviour towards all these more residents here. So uh, we've got uh, some important local uh, local news coming up, and of course, somebody else who's always also a local legend and great to have on board for any campaign is uh, our very own Adam Guys. He's a Lismore boy uh, who's got, uh, uh, got he's in the council. He's been in there slogging away, trying to make uh, some dent into the general chaos of this uh, this particular council uh, chambers uh, with their with their uh, clockwork independent block, as I'm calling them. Uh, but uh, uh, he was there on Tuesday night, pushing hard for uh, uh, you know the council to adopt an end to native forest logging, uh, but also there for uh, for all the rest of the shenanigans. So. Uh, Adam, thank you for finding a bit of signal there and being making time to talk to Environmental as anything again today. Good afternoon, Sean. Great to be here, and thanks for the introduction. No, you are always welcome, mate. And it's uh, 
Look, it, you know, I thought we should start off with your uh, motion to uh, to take to the, uh, you know, proposed motion to take to the uh, the, the New South Wales uh, local government conference uh, to uh, to support an end to native forest logging. Uh, can it? Can you tell us, uh, you know, what was that uh, proposal briefly, and how uh, how how did you hope that it would affect the debate on uh, on forests? What does Lismore Council have to do with any of that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, council is the voice for the community, so I thought it was my obligation and, you know, my principle to bring this motion to the chamber in order for us to debate it. And it was brought about by community members, um, chiefly from NEFA and um, some Knitting Nanners and other community members who were keen to see this issue elevated to the local government New South Wales State Conference, which we have um, a few times a year. And so this is the chance for councils to feed up issues that matter to them in the local community to be debated and considered at that state level among the other, you know, 150 councils or so across the state. So every year we do this in the chamber where we will um, put up a number of uh, what we call notices of motion for consideration at the conference, and there are slight um, different. Uh, they're slightly different to our notice of motion that we bring to the chamber, in that the notice of motion for the local government New South Wales conference is a standing motion, and then councillors can bring motions they want debated at the state conference um, to the chamber, and so. One of these motions was to essentially ban um, logging in New South Wales state forest. Uh, this is uh, native forest logging mm. that we know has had a detrimental impact on our forests for too long now, chiefly driven by the Forestry Corporation of New South Wales, uh, a taxpayer-funded uh, uh, state government organisation, which is uh, loss-making because of its um, unsustainable way. It's managing our forests, and the community feels very strongly about this. I know yourself and many others have mm. been active in this space for very long and relied on uh, citizen scientists and community members and the long history of NEFA in our region, region defending our forests to be a voice for the voiceless and bring things like this to the public force so that we can advocate. Um, and I did do that in the chamber and there, you know, of course, were some surprising and concerning um, pushback from some of the um, old guard there. Mm, yeah, the, uh, the the National Party's uh, front uh, people uh, uh, were there was there was one in particular who got up and uh, and and trotted out some uh, some pre-digested uh, forestry corporation lies uh, as a, as a way of uh, of attacking the, the the community members who stood up. There was a couple of uh, uh, of our of our senior uh, ladies got up and had the courage to speak out, and uh, he he, uh, he had no shame about uh, about coming up with uh, with spirit. Uh, you know, and misleading statistics extracted from a from a report uh, initiated by the uh, the logging industry to to try to justify their their behaviour. But it was it was actually interesting. I thought that there was a fifty fifty split in the vote that, uh, that that it didn't go on party lines as such. That there was actually uh, some some fragmentation of that block of so called independents. Uh, you know, there clearly uh, 
is a matter of conscience there. But it, when the conscience came down for uh, for Mayor Craig, he was he was happy to vote twice to stop this uh, a simple thing from going forward. Uh, do, do you think there's any chance that uh, you know, like that 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 block of independents might actually start to behave in a more independent way? Well, you know what I've noticed since um, being on council for nearly seven years now, and this new regime that's come into power, um, where they initially started off as a block of seven, it's been very fragmented in recent times. And it was demonstrated in the vote that night on this issue that it wasn't as clear-cut as it might be. Um, And, you know, it didn't help that one of their folk was absent as well, so they didn't have the numbers as per usual. Mm. But, yeah, Mayor Craig still used his mayoral casting vote to vote down any chance of speaking for the trees or the animals at the local government New South Wales conference, which is unfortunate. Mm. But it does show that um, this team is fragmented. Are you still there, mate? Adam? Oh, we might have lost Adam. I know he's got a very tenuous signal uh, where he is and he's... A really powerful, organised community and I wish that our chamber reflected that rather than, um, uh, you know, propping out propaganda um, from the timber industry and not seeing the evidence happening in our forest. Yes, uh, it's it's it is a shame that uh, that they want to tr- trot it out on party lines, and it does seem that um, uh, it, it, it was interesting also within that there were three different issues that I th- that came up on the night, and there was a couple of things that seemed to me to be odd about it. One was that they uh, they extended out the proceedings by continuing to have like uh, to and fro, uh, you know, like uh, cut and thrust within the thing. If they had the numbers in the chamber, which they obviously did, to be able to knock on the head it seemed like a lot of time wasted uh, by these so these there is people, a lot of you know they, they, they yeah, came yeah. they came in with this whole thing about oh we, we want to end the time wasting and we want to get on with the business but in fact what they ended up doing was extending the whole thing out to a four-hour session which could have been knocked over in two no worries look there is a lot of time wasted by this new guard and they're the ones that came in saying we are the change but what we've seen is extended meetings, we've seen the business of council not be dealt with, and we're seeing things that should be quite simple processes just blown out um, because certain people don't want to debate the merits but want to stifle any community participation or bring the voice of community to the chamber. And it's unfortunate that means we've got to go back for another whole council meeting requiring staff to come back requiring another night out of people's lives and our lives when we could have dealt with the business of the meeting. Mm. Um, And, you know, when you've got, you know, really pressing issues like the future of our community uh, post-flood, you've got climate change, uh, clear and present danger every day and only escalating, and you've got our forests being decimated by Forestry Corp., you wish our local representatives could get on with the job job of leading and governing uh, rather than um, spurious pushback against community participation.
Yeah, and and another one that you were closely involved in, another motion that was before the uh, the council was the rescission motion for the decision to to push through the uh, uh, the process for the Minoltry uh, Koala Corridor to be uh, to be trashed and turned into a housing development. Um, there was, uh, you know, you spoke eloquently for uh, a a decision to be made to to end this uh, this ongoing you know, futile discussion, which is, uh, you know, in, in your view it seemed uh, likely to be knocked on the head for all sorts of reasons at a, at a higher level than the council and and uh, and to, to not give the slow costly no to the to the uh, the, the local uh, community members who are actually proposing this uh, this outrageous uh, development so it, it, it seems that you know how, how do you see that one panning out that monotary uh, development well it's absolutely bizarre because um you know, Minotri is that sort of area locality just out of Lismore, uh, off Warrella Road, past the uh, waste facility. And uh, five years ago or so on council, when I was there and we voted on this, um, a majority of councillors uh, voted not to proceed with this planning proposal. Um, and so, lo and behold, suddenly we discover with this new regime that they've brought it back to the chamber uh, for re-decision. And, you know, it is within uh, their rights to do that. It is lawful to do that. But it was very clearly made back then. Uh, this was a very um, unworthy planning proposal. And staff have recommended a, uh, for refusal. They've recommended against proceeding with this. And this was a team that came into power saying they were going to listen to staff on planning decisions. And here you have an example of them completely ignoring the staff recommendation. And so the proposal is for a hundred lot, large lot residential development, smack bang in the middle of a core critical koala habitat and corridor. This is one of the last remaining homes for koalas in our local government area and we'll see um, a death blow to this really precious, important koala population. Um, just a few months ago, we had a, uh, a ruling from the Landon Environment Court on the Invercold Road development where we as councillors with a narrow majority voted down a 200 lot or so development um, at the end of sort of um, Invercold Road as an extension to Eastwood Estate. And uh, we refused that development and it was upheld in the Land and Environment Court. The Land and Environment Court was scathing in their judgment, saying what the proponents had done, what the developer had done to uh, pretend to mitigate um, against the impact on koalas was inadequate. Mm. That even the loss of 20 koala trees in this development, down from, say, 60 koala trees, was still insufficient to mitigate against the impact on koalas. Mm. So for this development at Manaltri, a 100-lot, large-lot residential development, that's minimum of 2,500 square metre um, blocks that are going to have all those traffic movements uh, throughout the development along Wairala Road, um, all the housing, the hard standing, the fencing, etc., and inevitably cats and dogs and mm. all the human impacts we have on habitat, it would be unsustainable. That's what the staff recommendations said, and still this 
uh, group of Team Krieg voted it through. Mm, mm. And, you know, and that's not a housing development which is designed for, you know, social housing. It's not It's not going to be uh, creating any relief for, uh, you know, people who've been displaced by the, the climate emergency here in Lismore, is it? Well, this is absolutely right. And this is why it's bonkers that we ignore all the evidence, all the science, all the staff recommendations, and that they still go ahead with this. Mm. Because these, this... Uh, housing area was taken out of our growth management strategy because it doesn't satisfy the needs of our community. Um, what uh, our demographics and our um, uh, growth statistics say is we've got an ageing population, we've got predominantly single and double households, and that requires medium-density housing in close proximity to services, not car-dependent, and that's affordable and what uh, Tim Krieg and their lot are creating are million-dollar homes. These are blocks that would cost at least $500,000, and you're not going to get a house on the ground for anything less than four or $500,000 these days. So you're talking about million-dollar homes, and that's simply a price tag most of our community cannot afford. Mm. So we're not building the housing we need, and we're certainly not balancing the needs of our ecosystem um, in going about it. So it fails on all accounts. So it makes you wonder, why are they pushing such a development through? Yeah, I've never heard of anybody being given offered a buyback uh, a package of a million dollars here in Lismore. So uh, it certainly won't be uh, accessible for those people. But there are that was the next uh, the next proposal which was put forward was hey if we're concerned about housing uh, we should do something to push the NRRC into actually uh, guaranteeing that they will not bulldoze our existing housing stock that they will they will uh, conserve uh, those houses intact and move them to new locations. And uh, that was, I think, uh, Councillor Eakin's uh, proposal uh, and motion, but uh, you were there in the chamber while the, uh, the, the Krieg uh, team of uh, so-called independents all voted against that. Uh, it seemed like a bizarre hypocrisy in play when, when they're on one hand saying, oh, we must go and bulldoze the koalas because we're going to want to build these million-dollar houses, but then when the housing stock that we already have in existence, uh, no, no, we're not going to... We've, already, we've got a letter. We've got this, this, this vaguely worded letter was the way it went. So how, how did you see all that? Well, yeah, I see um, very similar, Sean, because um, it's bizarre how they come to this conclusion that um, getting rid of 100-year-old hardwood homes that have served as residents for people um, for 100 years or more is of benefit to the community. Whose interests are they serving in allowing these homes to be trashed or fall into disrepair? Um, yeah, Councillor Eakins, to her great credit, brought this motion as an urgency motion last meeting uh, at the August meeting and uh, we spent a fair bit of time debating it then and it was watered down to the point where instead of actually taking decisive action to get a moratorium on the demolition of our 100-year hardwood homes, um, it came down to just writing to our local members and the Reconstruction Corporation 
asking them what their intentions were with these homes. And so in return from our local member, um, Janelle Saffin, Labor, who was re-elected on the premise of Keep the Recovery Going and the Reconstruction Corporation, they pretty much gave us word for word the same thing, which was this very vaguely worded lip service about where possible salvaging some of the timber out of these homes. And I think, you know, I made it very clear in the chamber when we saw at the height of the floods all the mountains of uh, rubbish mm. and um, even, you know, initially the first homes that were demolished from um, being destroyed in the flood, uh, that stuff, that materials was supposedly going to be salvaged, a percentage, and I was told 40% salvage rate at the time. But we've got no evidence that that actually occurred. All we've got evidence for is most of that, all of that went to a giant hole up in Queensland, a mm. tip. And, you know, there's proposals up there to burn this rubbish. They want to end up mm. um, using this tip waste to burn. And so I'm really concerned that we're being set up to send our hardwood homes, to send our suburbs to a giant incinerator, whether in Queensland or over in Casino, to be burnt for this preposterous idea of waste to energy. Mm. So I'm very keen for us to um, enforce a moratorium because these are viable, livable, habitable homes and they can't be left uh, to fall into disrepair, to um, get burnt down or to, you know, before some... Um, some mistake where they might be set on fire and so we would lose these homes and denuding the floodplain of people before we've even got a plan or got the land to relocate people is just um, it's insanity, frankly. We're in a housing crisis. We shouldn't be kicking people out of homes and we certainly shouldn't be forcing people out of the floodplain before they've got safe homes to move to. No, no. Well said. And we've got um, uh, Cash coming on uh, straight after this to talk to us about uh, he's in exactly that situation. So uh, we'll get somebody who's a first-hand perspective from a local Lismore resident who's moved here with a hope to raise their family and it looks like they're going to be kicked out because of the uh, uh, this this so-called recovery process. Uh, it, it is it is alarming when they, they will only talk, and I know that Councillor Eakin spoke at some length about the, the fact that this, you know, it is not good enough for them to talk about salvaging the timber out of these houses, and as you've just said, that process is itself extremely wasteful, but even if they salvaged every single stick of timber, it, we would still have lost the houses themselves, and it's it's just an outrageous uh, suggestion, really. It's quite, and people were, were shocked in the council chambers on the night. But thank That's you. Right. I mean, I mean, just if I can, mm. we've heard that people who are taking buybacks, uh, uh, some of them are picking the eyes out of their homes, you know, their favourite doors or windows or stuff, mm. and they've supposedly got to board them up. And so if they leave these houses in a half-habitable state, mm. that really risks them becoming, you know, eyesores, dilapidated, or eventually... Uh, for the corporation to reduce its risk and liability, they'll be bulldozed. So mm, mm. Um, what we should have is a plan by the state government to keep these homes habitable for the short term in order to use them for either crisis accommodation, temporary ha housing, uh, for rentals or for temporary workers, 
until we've actually got the housing stock we need to relocate people mm. or the land to relocate these homes holus bolus. It's not rocket science. Mm. Um, state governments have housing departments and they should be developing these plans to ensure that we have sufficient housing for our community. Yeah, dead right. And I know that a lot of people out there are becoming angrier with this and, and are starting to talk about tearing down those uh, those fences, those those boarded up houses, opening up those boarded up houses and occupying them so that they can actually have somewhere to live in this city where they want to mm-hmm. live and work. And uh, so um, we'll see how that progresses. It would be uh, terrible if it came to the point where the community had to take this action without uh, their, the authority of uh, their, their so-called representatives. But thank you, Adam, absolutely. for being one of the, the, the good guys in that uh, chamber and making sure that we do get representation. Uh, and uh, I hope you uh, are not too uh, jaded or exhausted by the, uh, the, the, the constant battle. Sean, I keep going for people like you and the wonderful people who come along to council meetings and uh, really voice the concerns of our wonderful community. Thank you. We'll talk again soon, hey, mate? Thanks, Sean. See ya. See ya. That was Lismore City Councillor Adam Guys, and uh, he was talking there about uh, last Tuesday's uh, council meetings. Uh, you know, like, as I said, the city of misrule, it should be called, because, uh, you know, it was utterly a disgraceful uh, display uh, from, the, from the ruling uh, cabal uh, of, of proto-nats who were running the show there. Anyway, uh, this is Environmental as Anything. We've got on the phone, as promised, I'm going to be speaking uh, to to Cash, Cash uh, Weges, who is a new Lismore resident. Um, he and his family have moved into South Lismore uh, to try to make a life for themselves here in Lismore, but find themselves in a situation where they, uh, because of the, the, the requirement for vacant possession by the NRRC, it looks like they are looking down the barrel of uh, being made homeless again. So, Cash, thank you so much for joining environmental as anything today to share your experience here thank you very much for having me sean you know, it's most welcome and i you know i was interested to meet you there at the council chambers the other night um before we get into the details of your particular story what was your layman's uh, opinion of the, uh, the 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 performance there of our local council a performance indeed it was um <clears throat> Yeah, I was uh, I was taken aback. I have not. Uh, it's the first time I've ever been um, present at a at a council meeting, um, and uh, I was I was shocked by the um, by the overall the the way that um, that it took place. The the the, the um, the community members who stood up and spoke were pretty pretty well refuted a real they it did not seem that they were listened to at all mm. to me mm. um yeah and um and those uh councillors who spoke um in favor of the uh of the um, moratorium, uh, yeah, of the moratorium, exactly. The, uh, the the motion for the moratorium were uh, 
were equally unsupported and, um, uh, yeah, it, it was really shocking to me. Mm. Really shocking. Yeah, me. it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, look, mate, look, you've just moved into South Lismore, which is, uh, you know, a, a bold decision and I, and I think a brave one that people in Lismore should be proud to know. There are people who, who with young families like yourself, uh, who, who want to become part of this community. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what that, how that decision came to you? Look, um, Lismore has always uh, has always shone as a as a cultural um, hub. Um, you know, I've, I I grew up in in, uh, in Sydney actually in, in Newtown, and a lot of the people who I grew up with uh, through my um, adolescence ended up moving to Lismore, um, seeing a similar quality, um, and so for me. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a no-brainer. It's a really there are a lot of reasons that I chose to move to Lismore, and um, the sense the the community that I that I found myself in um, when when I moved to uh, South Lismore uh, just confirmed all of the uh, all of those hunches that I had around it. Um, that said, I, I've, I've I've been living in uh, Nimbin for. Uh, for seven years before I came to Lismore, and so I was, was, you know, well familiar, um, familiar with it, um, and, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I've, you know, I've, uh, You've been you've moved into a, a house which was uh, which was flooded, uh, but uh, but it was uh, yeah. I think I understand it was the first time it had ever been flooded. In, in it was one of the few houses in South Lismore. If you don't, it's it's in a location where the, you're right next to the river bank, but it's a very high bank, so it's it's actually not a, a particularly flood prone residence, even though it's in South Lismore. And and what was the state of it? I mean, you you've moved into it after it had been flooded. How was it when you moved in? Um, so when I moved in, which would have been what probably. Yeah, probably just under a oh yeah, about five months ago. So five, it was it was really good. <clears throat> it was really, um, really like you would not have guessed that a flood had touched it. Structurally sound. Um, so I've heard from neighbours, from from a neighbour that no renovations were required, but a kitchen cabinet mm. um, had to be replaced. Um, but other than that, yeah, none of the electrics were touched. Um, not to mention the just the stunning quality of the house, mm. irreplicable, mm. and that's you know that's something that really drew me to it. Is, or that that really struck me when we moved in there was that wow, it's just such a beautiful home, mm. you know, such a beautiful house um, on the river, on the river. Mm. But as you said, yes, it's on it's on a natural levee. It's on the natural levee. Um, at, uh, at Leicester Creek, on the banks of Leicester Creek. So it sits quite high. You notice, like, you know, we're right at the top of the bank there, and then if you look back towards town, it slopes down. So the house, you know, though it got wet, it drained much quicker than anywhere else in the CVD mm. would have. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um for all practical purposes, absolutely uh, tenab- tenable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I'll tell you a bit more about like where I was where I was at at that time. Sure. Um, when we moved in, so uh, I, I'd been I'd been doing the rental um, uh, the, the the rental circuit. The roundabout, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the roundabout. You know, six months here, and then the place gets sold. Six months there, um, and uh, the, you know, I've been working full time, um, nine hour days, five days a week. Okay, here we go. We're gonna have to look for another place. Me and my partner, hmm. and um, we found this place. It's amazing, um, but. The, the, just that the, the the rigorousness of the application uh, suck. We needed twenty references between <laughs> us, and hmm. it seemed like it was it's just getting more and more rigorous. It's easier to buy a house than it is to rent a house. Yeah. Um, so to that, and um, but yeah, we went we went and uh, viewed the place along with a couple of other families, and. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we got it, so we were stoked. But mm. uh, yeah, here we are. I mean, so so after all of that, like rigorous process that you just described, like many people will know exactly what you're talking about. Anybody who rents a house has to go through that that, that terribly sorry, sort of sorry, humiliating right. and, and de- de- debilitating process, really. But it truly is. I was working full time while my partner had to put a few days into actually sorting this all out and mm. communicating to me while I was at work. And so it's how difficult to take time you know, on your breaks to actually organise all that. It's a full-time job trying mm. to get a rental. Mm. And then to be told, oh, you're going again, it's, you know, you have to move all your life. Every, everyone knows, anyone knows who's done it. Yeah, so those words vacant possession that they use mm. to to, uh, to describe it, it sort of it sort of dismisses all of that uh, you know huge amount of commitment and effort that you've made uh, with, with, as being in some in some way uh, you know like not worthy of a response. But uh, you know you're mm, saying that not, that you're uh, that, that that in that street that that uh, all the houses have been offered buybacks, but most aren't accepting. So a lot of people are committed to staying right there. Yes, yes, there is. There, there are a few, um, yeah, quite a few um, who are not accepting. I mean, partly because I'm having spoken to a lot of the neighbours. You know, they've been through floods before. They know what it is. They, the houses are built for it. You know, they wash them down. They start again. Here we go. You know, yeah, it's, it's not fun, mm. um, of course. But it's sort of part and parcel. You live in South Lismore. You know, um, mm. and um, and I think a lot of people are. It's an affordable part of part of the Northern Rivers comparatively. So although the buyback offers are you know higher than than what uh, than what they may have paid for the house, they're still going to struggle to get anything anything anywhere else mm. um, within that price range. And so yeah, I think she's yeah, there, there is a sense of community that is, is palpable on our street. Mm. Um, that you know, <laughs> we're all looking out for each other. Mm. We're all looking out for each other. Um, but yeah, that said, I, it seems that the the uh, the the way that this buyback scheme is constructed, it seems to be designed to drive 
their community apart. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's 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 how. In 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 that, it's like this vacant possession thing. So that that forces um, landlords to evict their tenants if they want the buyback, mm. which. That, that's a, that's a, um, for, for many many landlords are friends with their tenants and yep yeah it's a it's a like a morally challenging um, a position for them to be in I think mm. Mm. I mean I think we everyone who lives in Lismore will can relate to what you've just said I, I know I know the street you're talking about and and oh, it's beautiful. You, Beautiful street, and 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 like you say, people look out for each other. People are there for each other, and and you know, to top it all off, you're not asking for a handout. You're just asking for the contract that you've made to be on it. And in fact, you're actually offering to 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 buy the house yourself. So it's 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 like you 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 really are one of the lifters, and yet you're still being uh, being given the 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 the, the, uh, the short uh, the short straw, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh yeah, we'd offered uh we'd offered to, to buy the house. Um but yeah, uh, as it is, that's um we don't really have any it's all quite great. We don't really know what's going on in terms of the buyback. Mm. You know. Mm. Between between the owners and uh, the NRC. Um you know, we offered to match the uh, food price, and uh, as it is, yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's that's not our, our offer's not accepted. Yeah, yeah. So, Cash, uh, what is it you want from the the NRC? Can you just sum it up, and how could people help? Okay, well, I think to what. What I want from the NRC, and I've said it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but the, my proposition is just that somehow they can, um, that the NRC can can organise a tenancy of these supposedly or uh, you know allegedly um, untenable places, one of which I'm happily living in right now. Mm. Um, if if they have to employ some sort of real estate agent or whatever, then I'm sure they've got the budget for it. Um, I, you know, I'm, and there, there are many other, there are many other things that, that could be said, um, proposed to the NRC, but from where I'm standing in my current situation, this is, this is what I need. And I know there are other, there are many other people out there who are in a similar situation. Hmm. That we don't get kicked out of these uh, these tenable homes, um, and uh, and that we can continue to live in them. Mm. Mm. That's it. That's it. You know, we, uh, two months ago, my the next door neighbour's place. Two months ago, um, there was a family living in there. Mm. You know, uh, a week ago, I got. I got home and saw the Sparky, you know, putting his ladder up against the power pole and had a chat with him. Yep, cutting the power. Next day, the, you know, the, the timber fence is cut 
just you know reciprocated reset sword yep. down the middle, and so they can put a put the big steel fence around the place and board it up, and you know in a matter of days, I mean, it really mm. feels like the Berlin Wall's gone up. Mm. You know, from one day to the next, there's there's all these, all these fence panels everywhere, and mm. and what was once a, a an accommodating um, community mm. has turned into a bit of a war zone. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what the what the army was doing there the other day, but that, that, <laughs> that might might be a coincidence. I'm not sure what happened there, but there were for a few days there. There were um, guys running around with grenades and guns in their hands, and oh, oh. yeah. Did you did you see any of that? Um, no, no, I was oblivious to that. I didn't know that it happened. It, oh no, there was, was uh, there was there an was exercise, some coincidental drill going on. Exercise, yeah, I, I saw I saw something yeah. somewhere yeah. in the paper or something about it. Yeah. Yeah, it painted a, r- a really grim picture, though, mm. with all these. It was, you know, it's triggering, days isn't it? After all of these fences are going up. It was, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, it's not a great look. Uh, you know, it, we don't want uh, Lismore to turn into, you know, the the, the West Bank uh, or something. It's. Um, uh, uh, you know, mm. we, we we're certainly mm. hoping for better. That's not a recovery, is it? No, no. And having gone to this meeting and seeing the. Uh, Inflexibility that that was that that was um, uh, demonstrated there. Um, yeah, one does wonder. Mm. One does wonder. Mm. Um, so yeah, so what I'm what I would like is until until they made a decision on what happened to the house, because that is very unclear mm. um, at this stage. We should be able to stay until we know the future of the house. Yeah, yeah, it's and and what what people can do to help, I think, is just raise awareness at this stage. Mm. Uh, talk, um, and 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 share your story. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I went to the I, I, I went to uh, <sighs> I um oh yes yes get in contact with reclaim our recovery yes. Yes, Raw. Raw. Bearding Club. Raw. Yep. R-O-R. Look them up on Facebook. Yep. Get in contact. If your story is relevant or if you just want to know about relevant stories, get in contact because these people are actively actively making something happen, mm. making something happen and, and getting the conversation rolling because it's amazing how, how few people are aware of what's behind those banners and, you know, and, and all of the, yeah, what's behind it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, a good, it sounds like enough for people to be doing for, for one day, but, um, uh, it's a good start, a good starting point. Uh, you start sharing that information around and uh, get in touch with, uh, reclaim our recovery. That seems like good, good advice. And in the meantime, I hope you and your family are safe and comfortable and secure where you are and that, uh, you know, that you get the best outcome that you need for, for you and yours, mate. I really appreciate you spending the time here with us today on environmental as anything. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you, Sean. No Thank worries. Thank you very much for having me. Yep. Well, keep me posted if there's uh, if, as there are developments. We'd love to follow up. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'll stay tuned. Good on you, uh, Cash. Take care, mate. See ya. See ya.
That's Cash Wages. He's a uh, South Lismore resident, uh, him and his young family, trying to make a, uh, a fresh start here in Lismore, uh, being told they have to leave the house they're living in because it's unlivable, apparently. Um, so, uh, you know, this is what's going on in Lismore's recovery here under the uh, the state of misrule of the uh, the Krieg Council. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's shocking. I was at the uh, Lismore City Council meeting the other week, and I've uh, and I read a, a speech uh, there, which I think I should uh, I should give you again, just so that you know uh, the tenor of what we were doing there. It's only a few minutes, uh, which I read out to the uh, to the Lismore City Council the other day, as they were voting on uh, their responsibility to help end uh, native forest logging. And uh, of course, uh, you know the council being dominated by uh, the uh, these uh, clockwork independents, they uh, they failed to get that through. Although one of them, I must say, Councillor Colby, uh, managed to vote with his conscience rather than with the uh, with the block. And I've got to say, hats off to you, Councillor Col- Colby. I'm sure that uh, that uh, those uh, the, 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 so there are some who are giving you a bit of a hard time about having done the right thing there. But uh, it was a tied vote for. The forests and thanks uh, to, to it, it proved that uh, that uh, you know Mayor Krieg was absolutely committed to continuing with the National Party uh, koala killer agenda uh, with his uh, not just one but two votes to refuse to send Lismore's concerns for our forests to the uh, uh, state conference of local government the local government conference which is happening here in new south wales soon so um anyway the uh the adam guys who will be with us very soon was uh, was proposing this motion be put to the uh local government uh, conference that we that we support the end to uh the logging of our koala habitat and the destruction of our uh, native forests but um anyway uh, i got up on, on behalf with wearing my uh, northeast forest alliance hat and I said this, native forest logging equals flood, fire, drought, poverty, extinction and corruption. If you're concerned about floods, then native, uh, remember, you must remember that native forest logging reduces our catchment's capacity to soak up and store rainfall, accelerates landslips and creates dirty, degraded rivers. All this costs Lismore ratepayers money and threatens their lives and native forest logging to help protect Lismore from worse floods. If you're concerned about fire, then you will be aware that logging native forests removes older, more fire-resilient trees, opens up the canopy, dries out the forest floor and creates a tinderbox of logging trash, flammable regrowth and weeds. The Northern Hemisphere has been ablaze over their recent summer. We are staring into the abyss of an apocalyptic inferno over the next three years of El Nino. End native forest logging to do your duty to make Lismore as safe as possible from fire. If you're concerned about drought, well, drought is coming. Forests are the cheapest way to store water in our catchments, and so ending native forest logging will help to insulate us from the worst effects of drought. If you're concerned about money, and I can I can see that uh, many some some of the uh, local council members genuinely only care about money. Uh, Logging our native forests destroys jobs and economic opportunities for Lismore in tourism and imposes huge costs on water, fire and biodiversity resilience loss. End public native forest logging now to save money. 
And extinction is forever. Hundreds of unique forest-dependent Aussie critters, including koalas, are on the verge of extinction. Stop their homes from being destroyed by logging. And, of course, corruption was the last one on that list that I've added to that list is uh, because the smash-and-grab raid being conducted on our forests is nothing less than a, a malicious damage, by a, a form of vandalism. It's, it's genuinely a, a part of the process of ecocide. And what do you call the criminal behaviour when it is sanctioned by the government? Well, I call it corruption. And uh, that's what's, uh, what's driving this. There are a few, very few uh, individuals who are employed in this industry and some very big corporations who are making a buck out of the heavily subsidised um, state-sponsored logging, which is protected by uh, our New South Wales police. So, you know, when, when criminality is uh, being protected by police, I call that corruption. So we end native forest logging to end this cause for corruption. I mean, ending native forest logging is a win-win proposition for Lismore. There's no downside. The tiny minority who are currently trapped in this collapsing industry are being offered generous transition packages to ensure their financial security. And for the rest of us, there's only upside to moving the tiny remnant of native forest logging industry into sustainably managed plantations. Plantations currently provide 80% of the timber which is used in New South Wales. There are no houses being built out of hardwood timbers from, from our native forests. People make these strange and, and false uh, uh, leap that we must keep logging our native forests, we must drive our koalas to extinction because we need to build more houses. Well, you know, there's all sorts of things wrong with that statement, the first of which, of course, is that we are not building houses out of our native forests. Uh, the other part of that which is wrong is to say that our housing should come at the expense of the extinction of our koalas, which has been blithely accepted by at least one of the councillors who spoke in the chamber uh, just on Tuesday. I know most of you are fundamentally decent human beings who want what's best for your families and for the broader community. Take this opportunity tonight to make a positive difference to the world. You're leaving your children and their children. Vote for this motion tonight. And uh, I went on to say that while you're at it, Lismore cannot afford to destroy any more of its last remnants of core koala habitat and uh, at Minoltry stand up for the koalas as per the recommendations of the council's own staff and the overwhelming majority of concerned citizens and refuse the inappropriate development there. Also wish I had added that, uh, that uh, lies damn lies and statistics are no substitute for real action on these matters of, of great importance. It's all very well to trot out and uh, uh, some, some confusing and dishonest uh, misrepresentative statistics uh, that, have been trot that have been created uh, for public consumption and for the purposes of obfuscating the, the discussion uh, by the, uh, the, the, the logging industry. But uh, the, the, the reality is that we all know our koalas are on a steep slide to extinction by 2050 because of the logging of their habitat. So 
Anyway, unfortunately, uh, given the, the parlous state of the Lismore City Council, the appalling uh, uh, failure uh, of the, 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 the council to, um, uh, to actually support this simple and reasonable proposal to help support the end of this, uh, this destructive industry was, was knocked on the head by the, uh, the clockwork block. Uh, of independence, despite the good work of, uh, of uh, councillors, guys, Eakins, uh, and or at all, um, but um, I uh, hope for better things from uh, Lismore. I think that we are capable of better things. We have certainly done better in the past than this. I must say, uh, if you're out there and you're concerned about uh, the procedure, the procedural aspects of councils, this was a motion... Uh, there, there was a motion before the council to protect the Minoltry uh, uh, Koala Corridor from uh, inappropriate development. It was put up by the council staff, the experts, and there was a great hubbub about how the council should be paying more attention to the experts in the council staff uh, by this block of so-called independents, the National Party stooges who call themselves independents. That was one of their key campaign objectives was that uh, that the staff should be given more attention and respect and that they should they should be and and of course what they do is just completely ignore their own campaign promises when they actually get into power uh, you know, it's 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 a, a disgrace. The, the levels of hypocrisy which were on display on Tuesday night were were disgusting, and uh, anybody who everybody who left that chamber left with a, you know like a, a a sick feeling that this is a city of misrule. Anyway. <laughs> Next up on the Environmental Is Anything podcast is a great privilege to be able to present the marvellous Meg Nielsen from our sister program, Celebrating Earth and Art. Uh, she's talking to a representative from the Save Bruns Scribbly Gums group who are fighting to protect the uh, foreshores of the Brunswick River and uh, the, its, its tributaries. I have on the line ecologist James Barry. James is the campaign leader to, uh, for Save the Brun Scribbly Gums. And as I said to you, I've already asked James to tell us about this very precious piece of habitat. Good morning, James. How are you? Good morning, Meg. I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yes, yes. Well, thanks. Well, we'd, we'd be a lot better if our governments would just be a little bit more aware of the need to protect our precious precious places, wouldn't we? Mm. <laughs> it would mm. save, save us a lot of time and effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing the, um, the free labour that goes in from experts and the, like the, the consolidated support that goes in from citizens all for free yes all on their own time absolutely it's, it's absolutely yeah it's it's astounding yeah it, it is outrageous. It's one of my, uh, yeah, it's one one of my sort of constant beefs, really, the fact that uh, people do have to take time out of their precious lives if they want to uh, protect these areas. And and this is, after all, the very thing that we elect our governments to do. Yeah, it is, especially in this region. Yeah. You know, across the nation, but especially in this region. Yeah. So. 
would love to see that reflected in the, in the political decision making. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Keep up the pressure, folks. <laughs> yeah. 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 The pressure's on. That they're, they're certainly feeling it and responding to it in a, in a short amount of time, mm. Uh, mm. Which, which is great that they're um, they, they being the, the decision makers. Yes. Um, yeah, and and one of the great advantages of this experience, of which there are a few, but one of them is that we're really arming a great section of the community with knowledge of what these kind of processes are and how we can interrupt them. So this is, this is a really important injunction in a way. It certainly is an education, isn't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah. 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 So, James, um, now this, tell us a little bit about Save the Brands, Scribbly Gums, uh, this campaign. So this campaign is about iconic Scribbly Gums of the Brunswick Heads area that are actually a little-known host of scribbly gums. They're um, the only patch of them in the in the region. Really? Gosh. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not known by many people that they're there, hence um, <laughs> very, very little understanding that this was going on. Yeah. And amongst, amongst those scribbly gums are a host of rare, threatened and endangered fauna. And rare, threatened, and endangered flora. We have mm. a really interesting ecosystem positioned inside and around those scribbly gums. They're intimately connected through the roots and through this um, substructure of peat matrix in what's known as the, as the Wallum soil. And this place is, is a bloom with wildflowers in the spring, in the winter, and the spring. Um, and we don't have anything like that around here. <laughs> it's very very rare it's very accessible which is yeah it's a remarkable thing it's just a, a beautiful place so we're doing what we can um there's 1300 of us now that are are on the pump to see if we can interrupt these draconian processes that um are not really very supportive of what it means to be able to keep our ecology intact especially this kind um yeah so we're just we're doing what we can and exhausting every diplomatic corner of this opportunity so that it doesn't have to get to a, a protest level. We would love to, to to solve this systematically and we're really putting in the effort to do so. Mm, good on you. Good on you. It's, you. it's good to sort of try and nip it in the bud, isn't it, before before, yeah. before the destruction begins. Absolutely. And we were, we were as a community denied the typical official opportunity for that. So typically in a in a, what's called a DA process or a development application process, citizens would be informed and offered an opportunity for submission. Yeah. But in in this instance, in the in the Byron Shire, while people could have interrupted the classic DA process, um, only 222 people in the entire shire were consulted. Really? Yeah. Yep. Councils are getting good at that, aren't they, lately? I've noticed that right across the board. Yeah, and it was, it was during COVID lockdown restrictions, oh, no. which we were all doing our best to respect and, and like show up for our community, and very few people knew that this was happening. And, yeah, it went down during the COVID, went through during the COVID lockdown restrictions. So oh. it's just another, 
restriction of access and understanding that people didn't have. And now we're seeing that, that great disparity of number between 222 and the, the heavy weight of 1,300 people who are saying, no, Excellent. no, actually, we didn't get a say. Damn. This, is, this is appropriate. And, yeah, we're exploring what consequences are there for the decision makers that, that were remiss in their duty to inform a public that holds that as a very strong value. Mm. Mm. It sounds like a really unique, precious place. It is. It is. It's gorgeous. It, it hosts so many rare and wonderful wildflowers. And the, the unique and preciousness of it is, um, I, I'm a person who grows plants for a living and oh. have done so for a long time. Right. And so I'm, I'm really aware of what it takes to, to propagate and to nourish and keep plants growing in a, in a garden setting, in a forest setting. Mm. And this is a type of ecology that we can't replicate. And we can't just right. dig it up and put it somewhere else. I no. can't just um, no. propagate it, put it somewhere else. It needs this very specific geology and hydrology, which is the soil structure and, and water presence. So it's, it's a salt marsh. It's a swamp they want to build on. Mm. Which is madness um, in itself. It is. It's mm. just a, and it's just a very pretty swamp. Yeah. And there are, there are great concerns even within council, actually, in their notice of determination, they've stated that they're not confident that it will drain. Mm, yeah. So this isn't a, this isn't a flood prone, flood famous, in fact, shire. So we're on the case for that too, because a lot of us who are involved in this are also flood affected, and we're we're very interested in in supporting development that is out of the flood zone and is sustainable for. Um, the region, there's, there's plenty of weeds covering the Shire, there's Campbell yeah. Laurel, infamously Lansana up over the place, and, yes. and services are possible in those areas, and yeah, this is unique, this is a really unique spot, and um, a host to some really unique and rare animals as well, so we've got the Wallum froglet in there, which is a, a frog that is the size of about a third of your pinky fingernail, and it's got a big, loud, meeping sound. And with it is the um, the wild sedge frog, which is even more. Both of them are classified as vulnerable to extinction. Oh my! And and I, I'm smiling broadly. You can't see me, but frogs uh, really are my thing. Frogs and <laughs> frogs and lizards. Yeah. So uh, this the wallum froglet and the wobbin and, and the wallum sedge marsh uh, sedge frog. Did you say? Yeah, that's oh right. Oh my! I don't I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen them. Well, there you go. <laughs> and that's not their fault because, no. and not yours either. <laughs> they only can live in these really rare conditions. And yeah. these, are, these are animals that are nationally protected. Um, they're part of the EPBC. That they're, they're, they're a Commonwealth protected animal. And mm. in this instance, there's been some legal loopholes that these um, decision makers have jumped through to try to get this place approved and underway. Mm. But these these creatures are, are rare, and they um, there are uh, plans within the development plan to build ponds for these creatures, which is absolutely madness. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty preschool level if you think you can build a pond for any gift, like given piece, uh, species of frog. In terms of like what that means ecologically for a wallum sedge frog or a wallum froglet, that's not appropriate. They're they're relying on a specific acid pH in the soil that leaches into the water that they're in. And that can't be maintained by a, a human main pond. That's maintained by thousands of years of, of peat layer. 
Well, surely you could replace it with one of those plastic ones from Bunnings, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, and it's much like the wildflower story, because if you could, they'd be everywhere, because these things are, yeah. are really prolific breeders. Mm. They're, they're actually um, amazing at reproducing, but their only difficulty is habitat loss, because they're on flat wildflower land mm. with scribbly gum crowns that... Um, Luxury houses are <laughs> in demand of yeah. for postal developments. Mm. Um, there's a lot of money tied up in those processes. Yes, of course. That's what it all comes down to, isn't it? That people are trying think, to make money. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. There's a bit of power, power play in there as well. Yeah. Like I don't think it's that money. They, it, from what I can tell, um, as, as I look into it psychologically, I, I can really see that money is a big part of the puzzle. Mm. But power and precedent are involved as well. Like I, I really understand it as a matter of... Um, ah, I'm trying to think of a word, but I'll just say mm. again, power. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well. From the developers um, and, the, and their, um, their proponents, do you mean? Yeah. 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 Yep. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> mm. That's, that's the currency for them, and, and it seems like the currency for the community is more. How can we preserve this for each generation? This is something that yeah, you can be in a place like this and feel really quite regulated in your nervous system and your emotions. Yes. It can wash away wash away troubles. And in the shire, we have of uh, Byron, we have this issue of you get to places like that, you kind of got to drive up a big windy road and yes, an hour dodging <laughs> dodging people yeah. that are driving in the middle. That's These right. sort of things, but this is a, a hyper accessible place that, yeah, we would love to, we would love to explore opportunities with council of how this could and and with the state government of how this could be, um, a place of conservation and a place of ecological education mm. Mm. for our community. Super eager to learn. So that's what we're seeing on the on our social media pages is that thousands of people are uptaking this information and just fascinated. Yes. Absolutely fascinated. So we're not just on there just being like, rah, rah, which, which has its place. Mm. But for us, as a, um, a group of people supporting each other, it's really about, wow, we really fast. We didn't know we had this wildflower treasure here. Mm. We didn't know we had these treasured scribbly gums. Like, yeah. please help us save them. Yeah, I can, j just reading about it, um, as I say, I haven't been there, but just reading about it, I can, I can feel that this, you know, the preciousness of this area, that it's, it's really mm. sacred, isn't it? It's, it is. Uh, um, I suppose one would want to really make it a reserve, to make it, you know, preserved for forever, wouldn't you? That, that would be lovely. That's, that's our goal when we're working. Mm working towards supporting that because yeah yeah that that opportunity is so so important for for us now and for the future the the japanese are very um uh very aware of uh, what, what they call it forest bathing don't they you know the importance <laughs> to for men of men for mental health to um yeah. you know, to have these precious sacred areas yeah, and in an age of, of mental health difficulty, mm. both locally and internationally and nationally, um, and in an age of ecological insecurity that contributes to mental health difficulty, yeah. the despondency, despair, 
Um, I'm also a craniosacral therapist, so I understand the, the, the characteristics and quality of, oh, yeah. of resource and the characteristics and quality of trauma. Yeah. And a place like this can, can go a long way towards resourcing someone Absolutely. and uphold them against the, like the, um, the pressures of internal trauma mm. and can really support someone. Is this is this near the river, James? Mm, mm. It's it's backing right onto the Cape Byron Marine Park. Mm. It, it adjoins it. It shares a border with with that, and um, it's part of the filtration matrix, especially with these complex peat soils, mm. thousands of feet worth of layering of yeah. wildflowers. Which is bankers. ancient, isn't it? Those peat layers are really ancient. It's ancient. It can't mm. be reproduced, and that's that's no. the, the boldness of these of these developments and we're, it's it's to be called Wallum if mm. it gets through and oh, great. it's named after the ecology it will destroy. Yeah. yeah and these right. developers have, have done this before. There was a there's a, a very famous glossy black cockatoo habitat down towards Cabarita and they've <laughs> killed, they've destroyed their habitat and named it after the habitat oh, Cabarita. No. Yeah. So this is something we thought was left in in the early two thousands as the housing boom this kind of Yeah destroying to create an estate and then naming it after what you've destroyed. And, and the way they seem to justify that is by planting a few of the stuff Yeah. Yeah. As a means of, as a means of <laughs> replacing yeah. a, a food and a habitat tree. So what we're seeing in these instances is they're cutting, especially, especially in this instance with the scripply gums, they're cutting down, you know, if they get the opportunity to, they'll they'll be cutting down trees that are three to four hundred years old in some instances. So, for a sapling to to be able to offer food with any given reasonable period of time, it usually takes about thirty years. But to be a home, yeah, just for a small animal, it's going to take a hundred. Absolutely. For a larger animal, it's going to take three hundred. And we were seeing larger threatened animals in there, like koalas mm. and glossy black cockatoos and the grass owl. Yeah, right. Mm. Yes, precious indeed. And so precious. Yeah. So, James, what can people do to help you? Well, we have a Save the Bruns Scribbly Gums Facebook page. So for anyone on Facebook that's um, or willing to come onto Facebook, um, that's a really positive place to get updates, information, and see the beautiful pictures of this, um, of this place. And that's where we're coordinating as a public group and supporting each other with resources on how it is that we can interrupt these processes, um, you know, at first and at best diplomatically. And that's, that's where we are at the moment. We're in that diplomatic negotiation stage with council. We've engaged with the state government. Um, we're looking into options for advocacy, which um, are looking really positive for this group. So in that, yeah, um, save the brand scribbly gums, the brand being B-R-U-N-S. That's where anyone's welcome to join the group. And, yeah, we'd love to have your support there. Well, I joined. We'd love to be there. Yeah. Yes, I'd, oh, I joined, James, because, uh, uh, I mean, I, I can see even from, um, you know, from this distance <laughs> um, mm -hmm. how precious this uh, this place is. It's, um, oh, thank you, Ned. Yeah, thank you. My goodness. I wish you all the very best of luck. But also, thank you um, so much. James, I'd like you to come back, if you would, and just tell us, you know, how things are going. Yeah, I'd love to give you an update. There will be some updates um, very in soon. the coming weeks that right. are very, I think, pertinent to 
the cause and um, yeah, it looks like there's, there's hope ahead. It's going to take sustained effort to to support and sustain that hope and I think that's what's wonderful about what we're seeing on this on this group page of Save the Bone Scribbly Gums. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, people are humanity's at the front of this. It's, this is this is not just about the trees and these precious wildflowers that take thousands of years to, to, to form a stable space for. This yeah. is this is about our humanity and our our local resource that has both national significance and, and global importance in an age of ecological insecurity. Yeah. Because nature is our family, isn't it? I mean we are it is. We are absolutely in inescapably part of nature whether we whether we like yeah. to admit it or not yeah. yeah yeah james thank you so much really appreciate you yeah. taking the time and uh, all the very best for your campaign um thank you i'm sure you'll get the better of them but uh thank you so much yeah we, support. yeah we need everybody here. yeah thank you talk to you mm. soon talk to you soon meg thank you bye bye Ecologist James Barry, my goodness. What fabulous work our people do, eh? Don't you just love our community? They've got all these wonderful skills and they use them. They use them to protect our family because that's what nature is. It's our family. We're, we're, we're part of nature. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Environmental As Anything podcast. Uh, I'll be bringing them to you as regularly as I can. If you'd like to tune in to more of this kind of uh, material, uh, there's plenty of episodes available. You can subscribe to our podcast, and while you're there, you might as well rate it and help uh, spread the word by sharing it on social media if you can. We're on social media, of course, on Facebook particularly. You can find us anywhere you look for environmental as anything. And if you're really keen to see the show carry on, please do go and support us on Patreon. Again, you can find us by just searching environmental as anything Patreon. Thank you for your support. Be gentle with yourselves. Be kind to each other. And remember, we are all in this together. Uh -huh.